Pittsburgh Steeler fans, what's going on? This is Jeff Hartman, your host of Let's Ride, your Monday, Wednesday, and Friday morning podcast right here on the Steel Curtain Network. Thank you for joining me. It's a part of the Fans First Sports Network. Hope you're checking out all of our podcasts on the Steel Curtain Network. Hope you checked out Jeffrey Benedict's Cutting Room Floor talking all about the wide receivers on Tuesday. If you missed my Monday show with Blue Check Beck, he came back out of the woodwork up in Canada to join me to talk all about the Steelers, along with all of our noon shows, Bad Language on Monday, the Steelers Fix on Tuesday, The Hangover, The Scobro Show last night. You can watch those simulcasts on YouTube. And by the way, anywhere where you get your Steelers content, you will find us just by searching Steel Curtain Network. That is Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, you name it, we are there. Obviously, YouTube. Totally forgot that as well. Also, make sure you subscribe to our audio-only channel. If you're listening to this in some way, shape, or form, like on BehindTheSteelCurtain.com or maybe another outlet, find us anywhere where you get your podcast just by searching Steel Curtain Network. Okay, we have a big show coming up here. There is some news. Nothing really official at the time of this being recorded. And I'm recording this later than I normally do. And we know that in the second half, we're going to dive headfirst into that mailbag. The Ride or Die crew did not disappoint. I knew they wouldn't. They didn't. But let's get this thing started off with the news, right? Kwan Alexander is vis- was reportedly visiting the Steelers on Tuesday. That's all we know. Inside linebacker, most recently with the New York Jets, he's bounced around the league, known to be very athletic. Sometimes uh, he kind of it's it kind of reminded me of the reports that were coming out about uh, the the young man out of Clemson. His name escapes me. Inside linebacker ended up getting drafted by the Baltimore Ravens, and I think Simpson was his last name. Sometimes they guess, sometimes they guess right, sometimes they guess wrong. Super athletic and fast. Not sure if it's a good fit. We'll see, but nothing official there on the Steelers' front. Uh, we have rookie signings. Uh, the four out of the seven Pittsburgh Steelers rookie class have been signed. The top three, that is Broderick Jones, round one, Keanu Benton, round two, Joey Porter Jr., round two. They, have, they remain unsigned. Darnell Washington, Nick Herbig, and both seven-round picks, Corey Trice, and the linemen from Maryland all have signed their rookie contracts. So just a little bit of news. Now, the next bit of news, probably the biggest news so far, is what I want to talk about here in the first half today. And I, I, I honest, honest to goodness, I don't understand this at all. I do not understand that There are some times where I might not agree with a fan narrative, but I can at least see where they're coming from. I can kind of wrap my head around why they might think a specific way. Not with this. Mason Rudolph visited the Steelers. Reports were that he is going to sign. And this came from Andrew Filipponi. So immediately, of 93.7 The Fan, immediately fans are thinking, okay, take this with the giant grain of salt, Filipponi, not to be trusted, right? Like that's that's what everyone thinks. He's just a shock jock on the radio. He does this intentionally. He wants to gain attention and clicks. He's very successful at that, by the way. Nonetheless, don't forget, Filipponi's the one that that broke the Akershore news of the naming rights of the stadium first, and he also had the 2023 Steelers schedule hours before anyone else even came close to reporting it. So you got to give him some credit. 
There have been other people like Jeremy Fowler of ESPN that have corroborated. Easy for me to say, right? They've said, hey, look, Mason Rudolph is coming to town. If everything goes well, talking about pay, role, all that stuff, there's a good chance that he signs. But there's nothing been made official yet. So while there's a lot of people, there's a lot of outlets that are reporting that a deal is imminent, at the time that this is being recorded, there's nothing official yet. So keep that in the back of your mind as we go through and talk about this. But really what I want to talk about today is not the visit itself. It really isn't. This is me, Jeff Hartman, trying to decipher why fans hate Mason Rudolph so much. I cannot for the life of me understand this. They, and I say they, it is the majority of fans, and I can say that honestly. If you just go to Twitter, find a, a, maybe it's a group, or maybe you're on Facebook, and maybe on Facebook, you just go to a Steelers page, and you say, okay, I'm going to type in, what are your thoughts on Mason Rudolph? You will see some unbelievable hatred being spewed at this young man. I don't get it. I, I just don't get it. So here are some of the terms that you'll probably see used for Mason Rudolph when you pose that specific question. What do you think about Mason Rudolph? Things like a waste, a bust, worthless, no value, or one that's really been picking up steam lately, villain. I hear that last one. I'm thinking, a villain? What? Really? A villain? How in the world did we get to this point? How did we get to the point where fans hate Mason Rudolph so much? I actually took some time and tried to figure this out. And I wish I could say that I came to some grand conclusion and that I figured it out, that I cracked the code, but I I can't say that I have. Let's go back, though, and let's try to figure this out. The first thing that happened with Mason Rudolph, you know, it was a third-round draft pick. And the Steelers traded up in that round to take Mason Rudolph out of Oklahoma State. I don't think that was a big deal. Trading up in the third round, or if you talk about like, man, let's go back to 2021 when the Steelers trade back into the fifth to get Isaiah Loudermilk. Yes, it's noted. Yes, it's remembered. But trading into a a fifth-round player is not like a, a move in the first round of 2023 Steelers trade up over the New England Patriots to get Broderick Jones at pick number 14. That's not what this is. But the Steelers trade up. The first thing, the first thing that happened, in my opinion, that was a bad omen for Mason Rudolph was when Kevin Colbert said or alluded to that they had a first-round grade on Mason Rudolph. That was it. That was the first thing that happened. So immediately... When fans hear this, and even though if they had a first-round grade on him and didn't take him in the first, but they end up taking him, you'd think they would take him in the second if he's available, but they didn't. They didn't take him to the third round. But immediately, fans hear this and they think, whoa, first-round grade. Quarterback, really? So now, some fans started to view Mason Rudolph as maybe the next quarterback. You can chalk me, Jeff Hartman, into this category. I saw the Steelers trade up, I saw they get him, I heard the comments, and I thought, wow, did the Steelers just draft the next quarterback for when Ben Roethlisberger is done playing? We all saw the writing on the wall. Ben Roethlisberger is getting up there at age, he doesn't move around as well, 
a lot of those nagging injuries. And this is before 2019, mind you, when he blows out his elbow. So right away, expectations are not that of a third-round pick. They get ratcheted up. And they almost turn into the expectations of a first-round pick. And so let me remind you what everyone always said about Terrell Edmonds. If Terrell Edmonds was drafted in the third round, everyone would love him. But he was drafted in the first round, therefore expectations are higher. That's kind of where I'm going with this. So that was the first thing. The second thing was when Ben Roethlisberger went on his radio show with Ron Cook, I believe. And he was asked, what do you think about the Steelers drafting Mason Rudolph? And I don't have the exact quote here. You want to look it up, you can look it up. But Ben Roethlisberger essentially said, I just felt like we could have gotten someone that could actually help us this year. So now all of a sudden, the fan base hears this, and they're automatically kind of turning off the pick. Ben Roethlisberger is ben, Big Ben, but the Steelers fan base, he's Big Ben. I know there's a lot of people that didn't, didn't, didn't like some of the off-the-field stuff that he did with his motorcycle accident, the crap down in Georgia, all that stuff that happened. Ben Roethlisberger comes out publicly, and he speaks like this. People listen. So now all of a sudden, people start to question everything. They start to question the pick itself. They start to question the general manager. And maybe they're starting to question what the general manager said. So you have these ratcheted up expectations. You've got the franchise quarterback, the man, the guy that's taken the team to two Super Bowl championships, taking them to three Super Bowls, basically saying, I hate this pick. What a waste of a pick. Ben Roethlisberger can backtrack all he wants, but when he came out and said, look, we could have gone a different way here, gotten a player that maybe helps us a little bit more. He's saying he hates the pick. So what do fans start to do? They start to kind of have some disdain towards Mason Rudolph. Just like it wasn't it wasn't Terrell Edmonds' fault that he was drafted in the first round, it's not Mason Rudolph's fault that he was drafted by the Steelers in the third. But there's more. So we have the whole third-round draft pick, first-round grade, Ben Roethlisberger's comments. He doesn't like the pick. Then 2019 comes. I've already alluded to this. 2019, Ben Roethlisberger goes down with the elbow injury, and Mason Rudolph gets his shot. As a rookie in 2018, he didn't dress once. He was nothing more than a than a uh, clipboard holder. He was watching and learning. So this was essentially his first real-life action in the regular season. He was given a chance. So now... Everyone, myself included, I'm not throwing stones here, folks. I'm part of this group. All these people that thought maybe this was the next quarterback, we are thinking that we are going to be watching some really special stuff. And we are thinking that maybe, just maybe, the Steelers went into the third round of the 2018 draft and got a steal of a deal as they found their next franchise quarterback. As I say that back now, boy, does that sound ridiculous. Boy, do I sound like a like a jack wagon, so to speak. But he was given a chance. Mason Rudolph was given a chance in 2019, and he was benched for Devlin Duck Hodges. And I think when that happened, when a guy that made the team only because he was there for a rookie camp, that's Devlin Hodges, who I'm referring to, you get replaced by this guy. What what is happening here? Like, what is going on? This guy is immediately viewed as he doesn't have it. He doesn't have it. The concussion happened. 
We all remember that week four game against the Baltimore Ravens. Earl Thomas knocks Mason Rudolph out cold. He is unconscious. Devlin Doc Hodges goes in the next week. They go to L.A. to play the Chargers in that small little soccer stadium on, I think, Sunday Night Football. They win. Mike Tomlin has the famous line, he didn't kill us after the game. And then after that, it's kind of like Devlin Duck Hodges' lore grew as Mason Rudolph's vitriol rose even higher. People started to really disdain what happened. Then you continue with 2019, and Mason Rudolph gets inserted back into the starting lineup. And we all know what happened on Thursday Night Football in Cleveland with Miles Garrett, the helmet, the, the reports of racial slurs being used. It got ugly. It got ugly on the field. You could tell the fans were just really quickly seeing why Mason Rudolph was actually a third-round draft pick. And it was that while there was a lot of hype originally, and while Ben Roethlisberger hated the pick, when given the chance, Mason Rudolph, while he has some tangible things that you like in an NFL quarterback, there's a lot of things that he he just doesn't have. He doesn't have the accuracy when you need it. He does have the deep ball. But still, there's just something that's missing. And so you add all those three things together, and you have this fan base that views a guy that, hey, our general manager said at the time that he had a first-round grade on him. Where's that guy? Ben hates him. I'm starting to hate him too. The dude can't win a game in 2019. Look at that defense over there. They are playing out of their minds. And this guy, this guy can't even get the job done. I think they finished less than 19 points per game that that season. So what's the conclusion here? What is the conclusion? Outside of underperforming, what has Mason Rudolph done that would cause such hatred to be thrown his way every chance people get? I really don't know. He's never bad-mouthed anyone. Some people might have taken a comment or two out of context, but he's pretty late. He's laid pretty low. He was a backup quarterback. I mean, he's not... I know he went on Jim Rome last offseason saying he was hoping to get a shot. This was before they signed Mitch Trubisky, before they drafted Kenny Pickett. You know, I I just don't understand it. And I also don't understand why Steelers fans out there don't see this. And and if if it happens, if this happens and Mason Rudolph is quarterback three on the Steelers roster, or depth chart, why is this viewed as a bad thing? He's not going to be vying for a starting job. This isn't last year where it's, oh, is it Mitch? Is it Mason? I doubt it's Kenny. No, it's Kenny. And then it's probably Mitch, and then it's Mason. And when you think about a third-string quarterback, and first off, if you're at your third-string quarterback, the season's gone south pretty quick. I guarantee it. But still, if you have to go to your third-string quarterback, you would think that Mason Rudolph a guy that does have some potential, a guy that has starting experience, that has played in the league as a starter in that system, that would be the guy that you would want. Mason Rudolph is not threatening anyone, not Mitch, not Kenny, no one. He would be signed only under the general understanding you are a backup quarterback. You will be paid as such, and your expectations will be as such. Think back to the NFC Championship game last year. You don't think the San Francisco 49ers hoped and prayed they had someone like a Mason Rudolph that they could have inserted into the game? Probably did. I hope that, I hope Mason Rudolph does sign. It hasn't been made official as of this being recorded. I hope he does sign. And when he signs, 
I hope that they never even see him. You only see him in the preseason, in training camp, that's it. He's an insurance policy, folks. Let's take a chill pill a little bit. I still don't understand why fans hate this guy so much, but they do. You might not be one of them, but there's plenty that do hate his guts. And I don't know why. I don't know why. I really don't. So, unfortunately, that's going to be one of those unsolved mysteries for me and the Let's Ride podcast and the Ride or Die crew. But you know what's not unsolved is this, the mailbag. We're going to answer every single one of these questions coming right up after this break. Stay tuned. fans it is time for the mailbag segment that's right every wednesday in the second half of the show i dive into the twitter mailbag you ask the questions i give you the answers and if you're wondering how do i get this question answered find me on twitter at j hartman h-a-r-t-m-a-n underscore p-i-t every tuesday morning i put out a tweet saying hey i need some questions you reply and I will answer them. Let's get this started. Marky D, Steelers Nation Australia. He asked, do you think social media and the access to our smartphones is the reason why some Steeler fans dislike Mason Rudolph? In 2004, when the first, in 2004, the first thing I had no idea who quarterback three was. Okay. So he's saying that in 2004, basically, then he first saw the team, he had no idea who the third string quarterback was. Well, the third string quarterback in 2004 was actually Ben Roethlisberger behind Charlie Batch, and behind Tommy Maddox. But still, I think that social media has given everyone, even people that probably don't deserve it, a platform. And it gives them a chance to voice their opinion. So what used to be said only to friends and family or maybe in a group setting at a bar or a party, now you can say it and anyone can anyone can read it if they find it. So that has changed some things. And I think groupthink uh, across our society, meaning everyone wants to be a part of something uh, that, yeah, sometimes if it's something as simple as hating Mason Rudolph, people can pile on. Matt Sable says, is it crazy to think the Steelers can compete for the division? I know the Bengals are the favorites, but why are people predicting the Browns with Watson and the Ravens to finish above the Steelers? Their second half last year, along with the offseason, have me very encouraged. Well, you know what, Matt? I don't think it's crazy to think the Steelers could compete for the division. This AFC North, it could be a division where the they all beat each other up. And so the Steelers, let's say they finish 3-3 three and three again this year, like they did last year, in division play. Well, if all of a sudden every team comes similar to that type of record, maybe the Browns are 2-4, and four, something of that nature, you're going to have these teams knocking each other off, which is going to bring everyone back down to the median line. I think that's what the Steelers have to hope for. You can't have one team that runs away with it. That's the biggest issue. But I think the Steelers are viable options in the division. I honestly do. Gordon Bent says, Greetings, El Jefe. Steelers improved the roster this offseason. Agreed. But if you were to put a a percentage amount versus 2022, how much better... Are they go and are they going to go to the dance? So, all right, you want a percentage. I would say the Steelers are about twenty five percent better than twenty twenty two, and that might, that number might sound crazy, but I I don't think it is. 
people will point to like inside linebacker on the defensive side. I don't think it got worse. Robert Spillane and Miles Jack. Give me a Landon Roberts and and uh, and Holcomb, uh, Cole Holcomb. I think they'll be fine. You know, people will say, well, what about cornerback? You're losing Cam Sutton. Uh, yeah, but you got Patrick Peterson, and you also signed Joey Porter, who is a re- he's a really good cornerback, folks. And Levi Wallace is another year in the system. On offense, that offensive line bolstering that the way they did, shoot, 25%. I think that's a modest number. And will they go to the dance? I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say they do make it to the playoffs. So that's just my thought. All right, Houston Steeler, Chris. Hey, Jeff. With drafting Mount Washington, how big is the advantage of using him in 12 personnel rather than bringing in an extra lineman since Washington is like an extra tackle? Could see a lighter box compared to a formation with an extra tackle. I honestly think the Steelers are going to live out of 12 personnel and if as long as Darnell Washington lives up to the hype as a blocker, as a blocker, he'll be out there. I absolutely agree. If he can keep that extra offensive lineman off the field, that is a huge win for the Steelers with this third-round pick. All right, Mike Helbig. A couple of questions, Jeff. Number one, what do you think the chances are of Dan Moore replacing Chooks on the right side? This is one of those talking points that I'm wondering if – It all depends on how they go into training camp. So let me explain myself. If the Steelers go into training camp and the left tackle job is a battle, Broderick Jones versus Dan Moore, then I don't think there is a chance that Dan Moore is going to beat Chooks. But if they go into this and say, Chooks, you got to battle with Dan Moore on the right side, then there's a really good chance I think that he beats him. And the reason why is if they say, look, Broderick Jones, this is your job to lose. You are the starter. And unless you completely fudge it up, you will be fine. You got that job. Now you battle on the right side. Then I like his chances. If not, I don't think he does. Number two, do you see Kevin Dotson being traded or cut? Uh, He says, appreciate all the hard work that you and the crew do weekly. Thank you, Mike. We appreciate that. I don't see Kevin Dotson being traded. I don't think he'll have much value there, and I don't think he'll be cut. They're going to want to keep him. They're going to keep him as valuable an inside interior offensive lineman. He does bring value there. All right. Tendercat asked too. Hey, Jeff, I always listen to the Let's Ride podcast, but forget to ask questions every week. So I remembered today. Am I the only one who feels like the NFL hates the Steelers? It is just annoying to me. Also, I think Kenny will do better this year than most people think. You're not alone when you think that the NFL hates the Steelers. And I'll be honest, one of the reasons why we started doing more shows is we heard people that were a lot like me. Uh, when I was a, you know, younger, say in like mid twenties, I loved listening to ESPN radio. Um, that wasn't Colin Cowherd was on ESPN radio that he came on. It was the great, it was so great. The lineup was awesome. It was Mike and Mike in the morning, Dan Patrick, Colin Cowherd. I used to listen to all of it. And all I would do every day, even though I love those guys is I would sit there and say, man, I wonder if they're going to talk about the Steelers today. And a day would go by, and I didn't hear it. And so that's when myself, Brian Davis, Dave Schofield said, we're not alone here. Let's start giving people what they want. And the NFL media doesn't talk about the Steelers that much. And when they do, they kind of bash them a little bit. So we said, you know what? Let's start our own kind of pseudo radio station. And that's why the Steel Curtain Network is the way it is. You get three fresh shows Monday through Friday, every friggin' day. So you get morning, noon, p.m. show. I hope you enjoy it as much as we enjoy doing it. But Tendercat asked another one. I have to ask this one. And maybe you've explained it before. Why do you hate the movie The Replacements? 
Because you know, pain heals, chicks dig scars. Oh, gosh. And glory lasts forever. So here's the thing. I don't hate the movie The Replacements. I just don't rank it in my top list of football movies, sports movies, or anything. Um, I think Keanu Reeves is really cheesy in that movie. More so than he is in other movies. I just I don't buy him as the starting quarterback. Gene Hackman is great, but I don't buy him as a football coach because probably Hoosiers. It's just not for me. I, I could think of an, a slew of movies I'd put over top of the replacements if we're talking about favorite football movies. Okay, Beer Bottle asks, the Steelers play five teams this season who are in rebuild mode, and he lists them. Indianapolis, the La, um, I'm sorry, L.A. Rams, Tennessee, Arizona, New England. While the Houston Texans, Las Vegas, and Green Bay have all new quarterbacks. He's talking about C.J. Stroud, Jimmy Garoppolo in Vegas, and Jordan Love in Green Bay. None of these are better than last year. So do you think all eight games could be wins? All right. Indy's on the road. I like their chances there, especially if Anthony Richardson's playing. This, If there's a team that knows how to play against an Anthony Richardson, it's the Steelers who play against Lamar Jackson typically once or twice a year. The L.A. Rams is tough. You don't know which Rams you're going to get. Are you going to get 2021 Super Bowl champs or 2022 just god-awful team that had a, a bunch of different quarterbacks, including Baker, Baker Mayfield there? Uh, you talk about Tennessee. Is it going to be Will Levis? You know, is Derrick Henry healthy? Is it is it going to be I, – I don't know. There's not much – I don't know much about Tennessee, but th- that's going to be a tough game. Arizona, you don't know about the quarterback situation there. Air, New England – I'm going to think that they could all be wins. I don't think they will all be wins. I'll take six to seven out of those eight. David Briggs says, hey, Jeff, my father-in-law is a financial advisor, and one of his clients is Riley Reif, who is now the right tackle for the Patriots. We are planning on going to the Thursday night game. Would you be worried that the game will be flexed out since it's late in the season? I'm not sure. I, I have to read up on the... NFL rules on flexing Thursday night games. I'm not even sure if that got passed or not. So I'll have to look into that, and then we'll have to look at that as it approaches because they're not they're not looking that far down the road yet, neither am I. But it's cool that you get to go. Hopefully it works out for you. Brian Haynes says, just one question this week, boss. Troy and Cam Hayward are two very well-known players who didn't have success early in their careers. How much time do you feel is necessary to gauge a decent, good, bad player? Great question, Brian. And this is something that I've talked about on another podcast before. I think you at least got to give him two years. So when you think about Troy, in 2003, he, yeah, he was like a special teams guy. He didn't really do much there. But in, in 2004, he started to show it. And that's when he started making splash plays. He started to get it mentally. Then he could play up to speed, literally. So I think that you have those special players. Not everyone is like that, though. But it's rare that you see a first-round pick, and this is something I'm going to talk about in future in a future podcast, and it goes all the way back to Southside Doc's question last Wednesday. I didn't forget it, where he talked about, do they help the team, the Steelers, do they help them live up to their potential? And we're going to look into that. So that's a good question. Tony Larrick says, hey, let's do what's in the golf bag. Give us a rundown of the clubs you're hitting this year. Also, what's your handicap? All right, Tony, so... I have kind of a Frankenstein set in in terms of brands. Uh, I I have a TaylorMade M4 driver, uh, extra stiff shaft, 10.5 loft, 
Um, I have a Ping G3, three wood. It's old, but it's got a really nice stiff flex shaft. I hit it a mile still, not to get rid of that anytime soon. TaylorMade R5, five wood, hit that really well. Again, I love it. Why change it if you like it? I have three through uh, pitching wedge. Cleveland CG2s. Yes, they're really old. I got them as a graduation gift from college in 2005. Uh, my wedges, a 52 and a 56, are both Cleveland CG10s. Uh, nothing really special with those. My putter is a ping answer putter. Uh, so there you go. That's what's in the bag. My handicap right now uh, fluctuates between a 6 and a 7. So thanks for asking, Tony. I appreciate it. Love talking golf. All right, so Blake says, To the guy with a question about the wedding last week, I had these made for my and my wife allowed me to for his wedding and his wife allowed him to play black and yellow as they entered the reception while everyone fired up their towels. It was amazing and I'll never forget it. She planned everything else. So this is a picture of a towel. It says the Morrow wedding towel and it looks like a terrible towel. That's really cool. And I'm sure that oh, the, the guy that asked the question last week is probably on his honeymoon. So hopefully he'll see that when he gets back. All right. Heath Davis. He said, El Jefe. I'm at Universal Studios in Orlando this week. They are coming on a 100 years in horror movies. If you had to be the bad guy in one horror movie, what movie would you be in? So this is a tough one. I don't like horror movies. I don't like being scared. Uh, I, I don't like that feeling. I don't like haunted houses or anything like that. So if I had to pick one, though, give me the the character that was the, in Scream. You know Why? Because the character in Scream actually looked semi-athletic. Like when he would run after people, like he chased them down. This wasn't Michael Myers just slowly walking and somehow or another catching up to people. A little bit more realistic. I don't know. He said with Pittsburgh signing the HBCU running back, does it make sense to ditch Snell and McFarland? Well, Snell is a free agent. He can go wherever he wants. Uh, McFarland is on the roster. He's going to have to earn his spot. He's going to have to prove his worth somewhere or another. But we'll see about Snell. I don't know. Heath Davis also asked, now we are firmly entrenched in talking season. What offseason storylines are you most interested in across the NFL? Uh, There's not a ton still out there, but one storyline is I'm now really interested in Joe Burrow's contract. And if you're, this is if you're talking about non-Steelers, by the way. I'm interested to see what Joe Burrow gets because I think they need to pull out the Brinks truck and pay him whatever he wants. That's what I think. Haskins QB1, hey, Jeff, how much better did we get this offseason compared to last year's team? I kind of answered that already. I said 25% better. And if you can remake Happy Gilmore with Steelers players, which players will play each character and always hashtag Ryder Dye Thank you, Haskins QB1. I appreciate it. If I'm remaking Happy Gilmore, um, I would say that Happy – Give me T.J. Watt for Happy Gilmore, for the actual character of Happy Gilmore. Bob Barker has to be played by Bob Barker. And Shooter McGavin, I think it would be funny to see Kenny Pickett as Shooter, you know? And then Darnell Washington can be the guy that was the uh, construction, his boss on the construction site <laughs> that wears the shirt that say, guns don't kill people, I kill people. When Shooter McGavin takes the jacket from uh, Happy at the end, he goes, I think that belongs to Mr. Gilmore, and he chases him down. That's uh, Mount Washington, which is a giant of a man. All right, Southside Doc says, from the fan perspective, 
Why is experience valued differently regarding positional backups? It's a great question. Specifically, why would an experienced wide receiver be more valuable than a quarterback three? What could an undrafted quarterback bring to the table that would provide more value than Mason Rudolph? This is great. So Allen Robinson is a great example. The Steelers valued him enough to trade for him. Okay? They didn't go out and get some unknown guy. They got a proven commodity. But why don't you want a proven commodity at QB3? And I know that Mason Rudolph's track record doesn't scream winner. But he still is a commodity in terms of that he has experience, and he's played, and he's actually won some games in the NFL. I don't know why people like that Southside Doc, but the fact that you brought it up makes it perfect, especially with the first half of this show. RJ says, what are your thoughts on moving green to fullback i can't see this even being a suggestion when he was pushed around on the line i think he would be a good practice squad guy look this all comes from vince williams saying he thinks kendrick green should be a fullback i don't think so kendrick green's fighting for his life on the offensive line king tibbs hey jeff first of all kudos to you and the crew btsc is awesome and let's ride is definitely the grand flagship thank you very much king tibbs i appreciate that thank you for always tuning in my question is, what rookie and veteran will have the biggest impact this season? So the rookie. I'm going to say that the biggest rookie impact is going to be Broderick Jones at left tackle. The veteran is going to be Patrick Peterson. That's my prediction. And I'm just trying to think of new players here, so just keep that in mind. Nathan Van Slyke said, hey, Jeff, today's my birthday. Happy birthday, Nathan. He said, I'm now 29 years young. Thank you for doing all that you do. Wishing you and the rest of the Steel Curtain Network a great summer. Any advice for me before I turn 30? I remember 30, and it, 30 was 10 years ago for me. And I remember that was the first time I started to kind of like think about that number. Yeah, it's, it's tough. I, I'm going to tell you this. Don't wish it away. I said this on last Friday's show. Everyone wants to be like, oh, I can't wait for the next thing, the next thing, the next thing. Well, you do that enough, and next thing you know, years go by, and they're like, like just that it's just gone slow things down as much as you can enjoy your life do what you're passionate about don't have any regrets that's the biggest thing brandon diaz happy birthday nathan by the way brandon diaz said okay sir jeff i am back apologies for missing the last few number one thoughts on mason rudolph resigning check out the first part i'm fine with it number two will he make the roster or will the udfa morgan forgot his first name beat him out if he's on the roster i think he makes the team Three, who do you think will be the surprise cut this offseason? I think it's going to be someone like a Kevin Dotson or a Kendrick Green. Brandon Diaz then says, four, you're in charge of making this year's the match with four people. Are you Who are you choosing and why? Okay, so let's do this. Uh, we're, this, is, this is golf question, by the way. So let's do one NFL player, one PGA pro. Give me Justin Thomas, and I'm just going to think of Steelers here. Justin Thomas and TJ Watt versus Jordan Spieth. Those two, Justin Thomas and Jordan Spieth, are good friends. Let's go Jordan Spieth and I'm trying to think someone that's like TJ Watt's caliber. Like Patrick Peterson's actually like a single-digit handicap. He's a pretty good golfer, so I'm not going to pick him. Let's go Levi Wallace. There you go. I think that would be a good match. I should do that. All right, Lori said, Hi, Jeff. There's something I've been hearing a lot lately. Maybe you have too. What are your thoughts about going back to basics and becoming a run first team? Seems like the Steelers are going in that direction, but can they truly compete for a Super Bowl by doing that? I, I've heard it too, Lori, and I agree with it, and I'm fine with it. Let's go back to that old school, old school style. However, the only way you're going to win a Super Bowl by doing that, 
is if the offensive red zone production is high. Think about last year, the second half of the season. They ran it well. They controlled the clock. The defense stayed fresh. They didn't turn it over, but where did they struggle? They struggled in the red zone. You have to be able to turn it into touchdowns. Not Chris Boswell field goals. That's not going to cut it. you got to score touchdowns. If they can do that, if Kenny Pickett, and that offense can score touchdowns and not kick field goals, they can truly compete for a Super Bowl by doing that. I honestly believe that. Todd Hall says, hey, Jeff, do you know if the logo has always been on the right side of the helmet? And do you think if they switched it to the left for one game, would anyone notice? So, Todd, to be honest here, and I'm not a historian here, but I know the answer to this question. The answer is no, it has not always been on one side of the helmet. At one point, the helmet was black with a gold stripe down the middle. That was it. Then all of a sudden, the Steelers, you know, they, they're becoming, they, they changed from the Pirates. Most people don't know that in 1933, they were the Pittsburgh Pirates. And then they said, well, we can't have two teams in the same town with the same name. So they decided to go with Steelers. The Steel logos, where it has the hypocycloids, and they kind of do that circular logo. They don't have much success. And finally, they want to put a sticker or a logo on a helmet. And they decide, let's just slap it on one side. Let's see how it goes. And if it goes well, maybe we'll put it on the other side. Or maybe we'll take it off. And they had their best season to date. So they kept it on the right side. It's always just stayed on the right side. If they put it on the left side, would anyone notice? I can't speak for anyone else, but I would. And I would say, who the heck is messing up, messing with the helmets? Don't mess with the helmets. I love that it's only on one side. It's unique. It's different. It's quirky. I love it. I absolutely love it. And I love all of my ride or die crew. You all did a great job. We went a little bit long today. We had a lot of questions, but you know how I do things. I'm going to answer every single one of them. So everyone that took the time to ask the questions, I'm going to take the time to answer them. Thank you all very much. I hope you all enjoy the rest of your week. Hope you have a great first half of your week. And I hope you're looking forward to Friday's show. Jeremy Drone Betts will be joining me in the All Bets Are Off segment. We're going to be talking about some Kenny Pickett stuff on Friday if everything goes according to plan, unless there's news. So make sure you're staying tuned to that as well as all the work done at the Steel Curtain Network. In the meantime, folks, you know how we finish out here. Be safe, be kind, and God bless. Have a great rest of your week. We'll see you on Friday.